1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Everybody's talked about it, you know. It is what it is. We all see it. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, we just got to keep playing the game. Really, it's almost like we have to play a perfect game, it feels like, to get a win right now. You know, things just aren't going our way. So we just got to keep taking it one pitch at a time. You know, it's such a long season. You're going to have ups and downs. This is obviously a big down for us. But all we can do is focus pitch to pitch. It'll turn this it
3: There's Kyle Hendricks on the Cubs' current losing streak, which stands at nine. Rami Makloff with you on six seventy. The score on a Monday afternoon as you all recover from your Fourth of July weekends. Adam Stadzinski producing this thing up back in the studios on the ones and the twos. We'll talk with uh, Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine podcast. Coming up at 2 o'clock, I want to talk some socks with you here momentarily at 312-644-6767. But joining us right now on the show, from Cubs Insider, pleasure to welcome in Evan Altman. Evan, thanks for doing the show this afternoon, man. How are you?
4: I'm doing well. I I might actually prefer just talking about the White Sox right now as well, Uh, (laughs) rather than whatever this is. They're they're calling baseball with the the Cubs. But uh, you know, things have gotten so bad, I actually drove to St. Louis just so I could kind of absorb... Uh, what it's like to talk badly about the Cubs before I join the show so do you feel
3: like you heard you heard Kyle Hendricks say there that they feel like they have to play a perfect game to win right now and, and he was he was answering a question about you know w- what looms over this team and the trade deadline less than a month away now and them falling what eight games back in the standings do you do you think part of it is that these guys see what's on the horizon and are pressing or is is this just is this just things catching up to the Chicago Cubs
4: you know, I, I I do think there's maybe an aspect of the psychological side of it that that could possibly be be playing a role. But I I think more than that, you know, we're seeing uh, there was there was the run in April, you know, where they were hitting really poorly, but Chris Bryant was on an MVP tear, and you felt like things could kind of get put together. And then that's what happened in May. Everything was going right. They were hitting well. The starting staff was uh, the starting rotation was great. The the bullpen was incredible. But then those injuries started to happen. You're like, okay, well, uh, one guy goes down, and, you know, uh, half was hurt, and then Jake Marisnik steps up. And then, uh, you know, but as everybody else started getting hurt and, um, and, you know, Duffy goes down, Wisdom takes his spot. But then eventually some of those guys fall off a little bit. The bullpen could not continue at a historic pace. And I don't want to say it's the chickens coming home to roost, but this is a little bit of a mix of several different things. I think a lot of it's just – it's really awful timing – that kind of comes after some really great timing for about a month there.
3: And I was, I was doing a shift here on the score just, just a couple weeks ago. It it, it seems like, I mean, I think it was right before the no hitter against, against the Dodgers. and, And right after that is when everything started to go wrong. And I was saying at that time, like, there's no way that this team is going to be a seller at the deadline because they're contending for a division and they have they have they still have the core of these guys that that won the World Series and are fan favorites and Cubs fans are very very loyal but he, that he, that would be hard to sell even to Cubs fans and, and to get them to keep coming out to the park. It's amazing that now I'm sitting here and to start the show I was going there's no way they shouldn't be sellers between now and the trade deadline. Is there any way that they're not sellers between now and July 30th?
4: I mean, there, there is maybe a small window that's still in there. You know, you think about, well, they, they play much, much better at Wrigley. They do have a much easier schedule coming up, at, at which point, you know, none of the teams they're playing over the rest of the, of the month here are significantly over five hundred, and Maybe a game or two here or there, but, uh, you know, they get the Diamondbacks a couple of times really coming out of the break. You get the All-Star break, which uh, it, was, it was almost surprising to see Chris Bryant selected – just on the basis of of him kind of slumping there in June a little bit. Uh, Kimbrel's not a surprise, but I think after seeing how many guys they had who were finalists, it's probably the best thing possible for the Cubs to not have uh, any more than two all-star selections. Those guys can take a break uh, mentally and physically. And if they get just as hot as what we've seen them be cold, it's possible they could make up some ground. The only trouble is, you know, which team is it? Is it the team from April and June or is this the team from May? And if it's if you believe that they can play again like they did in May, but but sustain that, then I think you can go and look to buy. But it's going to take a significantly better effort over the next few weeks and then really heading up to it because, listen, Jed Hoyer's not going to make those decisions on July 31st. Any decisions that he's going to make are going to have to be done well in advance. So yeah, is a potential there, but I think right now you got to lean more heavily toward towards selling at this point.
3: Talking with Evan Altman of Cubs Insider here, Rami Maklouf with you on a Monday afternoon on six seventy the score. And and when when you look at the timing of all this, I actually said Evan at the start of the show when we were talking about this Cubs team that you you, you might even be able to look at it as a blessing because Theo talked about how this offense was broken back in, in 2018, but this team would year after year contend and, and then right up until September and October and we'd see that offense fall apart and it was obviously too late to make any major changes at that point. Is, is it kind of a blessing that they, they showed their true colors if these are their true colors now rather than, than giving us some kind of hope to hang on to only to see the same script play out? And then on top of that, the possibility of Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez walking away for nothing in the offseason.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you're looking at it from a very pragmatic uh, point of view, which I know is not easy uh, if you're a fan, sure. right, there's, there's sure. going to be a lot of emotion one way or the other. But, yeah, if you say, hey, for Jed Hoyer, somebody who's got to make some very difficult decisions, uh, if things happen one way or the other, if the, let's say the Cubs had won nine in a row instead of losing, um, that would be a very complicated decision because now you're saying, well, we we'll are kind of win or bust at this point, you know, World Series or bust. But if you fall out of it far enough, then he can look at it and say, hey, I know how much people love some of these players and want to keep them around, but we've got them all now, and look what we're doing. Um, how is it do we want to keep repeating that? And so he does at least have a little bit more, whether you want to call it justification or, or whatever. It's I think it's uh, the frustration is, has got to be deep, though. I mean, when you're a fan, and you're looking at this, you're saying this team can't score more than two runs and you know but but what's the future if we don't have any of these guys and we just went through a rebuild a decade ago this is a, a major market team they shouldn't have to rebuild all over again so um it, it's tough and Hoyer's gonna have his work cut out for him in a big way because I think convincing fans you you alluded to this earlier convincing fans to sit through another rebuild uh is not going to be a whole lot of fun for either the the general manager or Ownership. So I uh, to say that I'll be interested in how they pull this off moving forward is is an understatement.
3: And and you're right. The the fan in me, Evan does does want to see these guys stick. I've even said before that the the fan in me might just go ahead and give these guys lifetime contracts and let let them stick around for as long as possible, just for what they gave me as a Cubs fan by winning that that twenty sixteen World Series. But I I do look at it pragmatically. And and the other thing about this is. You said there is a chance that they they might not be sellers between now and the trade deadline if a lot of things go right between now and then. But I honestly can't see enough things going right where, okay, maybe they decide they're not sellers. I can't see enough things going right where they're buyers. And I can't see this team winning a World Series if they don't make significant additions at the trade deadline, and if you're not if you're not doing that, really, what is the end game here? What what would be the point of just playing this thing out with basically this group of guys? Do they do they really have a shot of winning a World Series?
4: You know, they and that's I think that's the real rub, right? Is that you look at them and, and we've all known for a long time that really what they needed was starting pitching. Uh, they they did they made the Jake Ar- Arrieta moves in in hopes that he would kind of be able to recapture a little something that had been missing since he left Chicago, but it uh, it's pretty obvious at this point. I mean, when they're speaking publicly about, um, we don't know if we can even keep this guy in the rotation for, you know, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. of course, but they, they need at least one, if not two, starting pitchers. The only problem is, again, as you mentioned, in order to get anybody who can make a significant impact in the second half, you're going to have to part with significant assets in terms of your prospects. Well, if that's the case and you've still got five or six or seven players whose contracts are up after this year, now you have to go spend a ton of money in free agency and or re-sign these guys to extensions, and you don't have prospects coming up anymore uh, because you traded them for a guy who's probably only going to be there for the rest of the season or maybe one more year. And I don't see any way under any circumstances that Jed Hoyer would be willing to part with what's left at the top end of of a farm system that's still, while it's getting a lot better, is nothing like what we had seen from them five or six years ago. So it's just, I, I don't know that a path exists in which they could make the moves necessary to make themselves World Series contenders.
3: I have an Altman of Cubs Insider, my guest here for a few more minutes, Rami Maklouf, with you on a Monday afternoon on six seventy, the score. And and what is the trade deadline like? Because it, it seems to me that. The the price to premium on young, affordable, controllable talent has skyrocketed the last few years, Evan, and and, and the premium on rentals, even for teams that might be in a playoff race. The the price and the premium on rental veteran players has has gone down a little bit, and, and you don't quite get the return that maybe you used to at, at the trade deadline for trading guys to caliber of Baez, Br- uh, Bryant, or Riz. We saw what they got for you, Darvish. How much of a concern is that of getting good value back for these guys before the trade deadline?
4: I think, you know, as much as that might be a concern, I mean, I think going into this season with what we knew to be true, you know, again, and they, they for lack of a better term. I mean they took a bath on the Darwin. and I think the thing we need to consider here is think about, especially in, in light of the Cubs, but in general, um, you know, catchers are super, super valuable. The Cubs didn't just trade you Darvish, they traded a switch hitting backup catcher who has performed sure. well for them. And and look at what they're look at the situation they're in right now. They're on something like their fifth backup catcher of the season because of all these injuries or poor performance, uh, you know, how valuable would Vic Caratini have been to this team at this point? But uh, that aside, you know, uh, to actually answer your question though, I think they were perfectly willing to go into this season knowing that the return wasn't going to be very good, especially for some of these guys. Uh, Javi Baez coming off of a terrible season last year, Chris Bryant, who had a fractured wrist and and had a, a poor season, Anthony Rizzo, who also had a very poor season. They're saying, well, the return isn't going to be very good at all. So, hey, maybe something comes around. Maybe we get these guys on a team-friendly extension. Or if not, we can extend a qualifying offer and get a compensatory pick that in and of itself will probably be almost as valuable as what we get in a trade and we at least get to ride these guys out for another year and see what happens. And and so I, I think the Cubs are, uh, you know, if they make a move, they won't get much in return. But to specifically answer the question, I would say that they're only weighing – what can we get in return, and do we feel that is more valuable than the comp pick we would get for a qualifying offer? And, and from that point, I think that's what you look at your decision. If they can get more and, uh, than they would in a comp, I think they might start swinging some moves
3: whenever moves are made and, and whatever they look like, like you said, I, I don't know, and even myself as a fan, I don't know how much fans are, or I will have patience for a full rebuild. It, I don't think that's what we're looking at here, like what we saw for a few years leading up to 2015 and 2016. Is that the impression or the feel that you get we're in for when they do tear this thing apart?
4: Uh, Not, not to the same extent, no. At least I would hope not, simply for the fact that They've only got something in the neighborhood of $40 million uh, committed to, the, to contractual obligations next year. And I think it's maybe $60 million toward the competitive balance tax. Now, I, there are some other complications in terms of the, the uh, collective bargaining agreement expiring at the end of this year. And I, and I think a lot of teams may be very hesitant initially in free agency unless we get some indication that there won't be any kind of significant labor strife. But I think you will see teams be, uh, again, a little bit hesitant because do you want to hand out a big contract to a guy and then have part or all of the season lost, whether it be to a strike or lockout or or some combination. But, again, the the Cubs are too big a market and they've got too much money available to them to go through a full rebuild again and, and to try to completely gut that thing and start over. So I do think they can go out and play in free agency. But at the same time, They've got to let that farm system mature a little bit to start producing more of those pitchers and, again, more position players to fill those spots. So more of a – I think Jed Hoyer called it maybe a soft reset or something along those lines. It won't be the rebuild, but I do think we're looking at if they decide to move some of these guys, probably a two- to three-year period where uh, it's going to take a little bit to build it back.
3: Evan, you said you need a break from these Cubs. Let's cleanse the palate at the end of the conversation here. Where do you fall on fireworks? It's a very polarizing issue this time of year.
4: You know, uh, I, I am uh, in favor of them in terms of, hey, you got whatever your local town or municipality is and, and you want to have that. I am very much not in favor of uh, just about everybody else in three neighborhoods, uh, including my own, firing them off uh, during the middle of the day, starting about a week ahead. Dude, from like 4 in the afternoon,
3: Adam and I were talking about this before we brought you, from like 4 in the afternoon till one thirty in the morning, at least, I, I somehow fell asleep even though it sounded like it, I was in the middle of a war zone, so from 4 in the afternoon till one thirty a.m., there were fireworks going on in my neighborhood up
4: here in Milwaukee. Yeah, there's absolutely the Why are you? You can't even see them. It's yes. broad daylight. Thank you. you what, that's what, what I a said. Noise? It's a loud Thank noise. you. It's right. A loud, you're firing a cannon. It's just the dumbest thing uh, that I can imagine. So, and, and, but hey, if you would like to, I like, again, I will make loud noises. Just come pay me the money that you spent on those fireworks. I know they weren't cheap, and I'll yell at you for a couple of hours. Just shout that's, in your that's, face. That's totally cool. I'll just yeah, shout I'll, right
3: I'll down bang, your ear canal.
4: You know? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely i'll just go hit a gong or something and that if that's what you're going for but yeah i i am uh i am not a fan of uh and i'm sure you know what i'm i'm out of town so who knows but uh the neighborhood was was a light so it's fun for like a 30 minute period and outside of that i, I could uh i could never deal with them again and that'd be fine
3: that's evan altman of cubs insider follow him on twitter at d evan altman long time fan of your work man glad we uh finally had a chance to talk thanks for doing it
4: yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. So, uh, have a great rest of the show, and, and hopefully, you can talk about something more uplifting for the remainder of your time there. White Sox
3: next, and some NBA finals in the two o'clock hour. So, more, more yeah, happy perfect. talk coming up. Thanks, Evan. Appreciate it, man. I right, take care. Evan Altman joins me on the Circa Resort and Casino hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's a big bold claim, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's true. If I'm saying it. Then it's gotta be true. We'll change gears, get to the White Sox right after this. And is this is this smoke and mirrors, or how how are the White Sox here? We're gonna talk about that right after this. Robbie Makloff with you on a Monday afternoon on Chicago Sports Talk Radio Station AM six seventy the score. Rami Makhlouf with you on 670 The Score on a Monday afternoon. Hope you're all either enjoying or recovering from your 4th of July weekends. I'm broadcasting from The Score Hyundai Studios, which is presented by your local Hyundai dealers coming up. Around 2 o'clock, I'll talk with Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine podcast. Obviously, talk some White Sox with him. And Jim Ozarski of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's going to join me to talk about these NBA finals, which tip off tomorrow coming up at 2.20. But right now, I want to talk with White Sox fans at 312-644-6767. That's how you can call or text the show on the Rosen Hyundai Hotline. Want to know? How sustainable do you think it is what the White Sox are doing? 312-644-6767. Give me a call or drop me a text. And the thing that got me to to thinking about this yesterday was yesterday we found out who the the White Sox All-Stars will be. We found out who all the the All-Stars will be. But specifically about the White Sox, and you look at that list of three guys, Rodon, Lynn, and Hendricks. And if I would have told you those are the White Sox three all-stars before this season started, you would have thought things have gone terribly, terribly wrong. It's not Abreu. It's not Anderson. It's not Luis Robert. It's not Eloy Jimenez or Lucas Giolito or even Dylan Cease. We're talking about Carlos Ro- Carlos Rodon was fighting for the fifth spot in this rotation before this season started. Lance Lynn was a guy who everyone thought his best days as a major league starter were behind him. And obviously Hendricks came with some, some expectations as, as the closer when, when they paid what they paid to bring him over from Oakland. But there's, there's no way anybody would have thought that this white Sox team is sitting in first place, six games ahead of the Cleveland Indians. If those three guys were your only all-stars now, if those guys we're all-stars in addition to some of the more household names that I just mentioned. If let's say Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez made it, in addition to Carlos Rodon, Lance Lynn and Hendricks, you'd be going, "Oh, yeah, no, we're we're having a great season including some unexpected guys stepping up in addition to to the household names." But that's not that's not what's happening here. Those three guys have been your best performers and then outside of that because of injuries and because of guys all underperforming. You've had just different, different heroes stepping up almost day to day, month to month, week to week. Your mean Mercedes was the guy when the season started. We heard from Jake Berger earlier in the show. That's a guy who's started the season playing third base in the minors. And then with, with the injury to Madrigal at second, he, they, they tell him you're going to start playing second base. And here he is in the majors and then getting the game winning hit. Last week in his first game back and, 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 and it's been that kind of thing going on for this White Sox team all season long. And first of all, you do have to, and I, I have a hard time saying this out loud, but when credit is due, you give credit. You have to say that Tony Larusa is doing one hell of a job to, to, to put these guys in place to win night in and night out despite everything that's working against them but also to a degree i think you do have to look up and and thank the baseball gods that some things are just sort of breaking their way and 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 there is a little bit of lightning in a bottle at play here and and maybe even and i don't say this every time i say this word people think that i'm trying to dismiss what somebody has done or take away from somebody's accomplishments or take away from a team's accomplishments. And that's really not it. In any in any great season, championship or otherwise, there's an element of luck at play, things going your way that aren't always in, in your control. And I do think that the White Sox have had some lightning in a bottle and some luck on their side. And it's just a question of how long do you think that can hold up. How real do you think what we've seen to this point in the season, in terms of the way that the White Sox are winning baseball games, can sustain? And that's what I'm asking you right now. How sustainable is what the White Sox are doing right now? 312 644 6767. And if you don't think it's sustainable, do you buy, do you make major acquisitions between now and the trade deadline? Or do you wait for the Cavalry to show up? and and hope that Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert can can come back and look close to themselves between now and the end of the season and and supplement what you've gotten to this point in terms of some kind of some kind of playoff run or some kind of deep playoff run and world series aspirations because I think there is plenty about what the White Sox have done to this point that they can they can continue to do. I don't think Rodon Lynn and Hendricks are fools gold. And I, I do think for, for all the criticism that he gets and for crotchety and, 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 and unpleasant as he can be, we all got to admit that Tony La Russa, he, didn't, he hasn't been around this game and doesn't have the success that he's had because he doesn't know anything about baseball. So I, I think that they, they can, to a degree, keep doing what they're doing now, and it's probably good enough to win a division. Probably, actually, I would say it is good enough to win the division. I don't think the Indians are, are really going to make noise here. I don't know that they get much closer than the six games back that they sit right now. But if we're talking about World Series, if we're talking about this team making a deep playoff run and having real World Series aspirations, I think it's going to have to be on the backs of Abreu and Anderson and, and hopefully Robert and Eloy come back from from injuries and, and Giolito and Dylan Cease can can find their form again because it's it's good right now but is it world series good? I don't know that it's world series good just yet. And if it's not going to be those guys, if it's not going to be those household names that are that are either getting back to to their level or that are coming back from injury are you willing to to trade prospects and push chips to the center of the table for this season? Because I don't think that I am. I don't think because I don't think that the White Sox are going to win a World Series unless those guys that I'm talking about, those household names are healthy and are playing up to their expectations. You might be able to close some of the gap between where you are now and actually being a team that can talk about a World Series. But I don't know that you close the whole gap unless you get healthy and those guys start playing up to expectations. I'm not pushing too many chips to the center of the table unless, unless I think that Abreu and Anderson and Robert and Eloy and Gilito and Cease are going to, to bounce back or get healthy and, and help carry this team to a deep playoff run. I don't think that I can add enough reinforcements to this team that if those guys don't get healthier, if those guys don't turn it around... That we can win a World Series. So, how sustainable is what the White Sox are doing, in your opinion, the way that they've won, the way that we've gotten to this point in the season? And if you don't think it's all that sustainable, if you don't think it's good enough to win a World Series, do you buy? Do you push all your chips to the center of the table for this year? Or do you wait and hopefully just get healthy and guys turn their seasons around? 312 644 6767. Get in with Rami Makloff on the score. Give me a phone call or drop me a line in the Rosen Hyundai text line. Here's one from the uh, 217, or excuse me, the 219. As long as the rest of the American League Central is bad, the Sox will be fine for the division. That's Gary from Sharerville. 773 says, had Robert Jimenez Robert been there and not the recharged Rodon and Lynn, the White Sox wouldn't be winning as much. Uh, I don't know about that. I think I think that if those guys are healthy and playing up to their potential, but Rodon and Lynn are, are playing down to the expectations that they came to in this season, things probably balance out. You're probably right around where you are right now. You'd have more offense, and your pitching wouldn't be as good, but I think in terms of wins and losses, run differential, those things would balance themselves out. Another text in the Rosen Hyundai text line from uh, the 773. The White Sox are winning mainly because of the addition of, of Lynn and Rodon, and I I agree with that, Adam. That's that's absolutely true. I'm just saying when I look at this thing, and I see I see names that have that have carried you here that I didn't expect to carry you here. I always look at situations like that and go, okay, how long how long can this last? Because usually when when somebody is somebody looks much better than you expected, there's there's at least some some regression to be expected, and and when you're the age of a Lance Lynn especially there's probably some regression to be expected is, is do you think Adam that's that's unfair on my part to think that these guys these guys can't keep this up or i don't i don't know if they can keep this up i think that certainly like i let me
2: start with this like i think the white Sox are a pretty good team but I, like i understand what you're saying where like how sustainable is it so the team as it's constructed currently probably isn't overly sustainable for the pace that they're at, but they need to get, you know, Eloy Jimenez back. They need to get Luis Robert back so that this team plus those guys is still pretty good. And absolutely. I I don't know if they're quite as, is. they don't have the talent level, the Dodgers have or the Padres, not quite anyway. We saw them get swept in New York by the Yankees. So, So they have to prove themselves against some of the better teams still, I think, but once they get some of their good players back and then maybe add someone, a reliever or a maybe a second baseman at the, at the deadline or an outfielder at the deadline to help fill the gap until guys like Robert and Jimenez get back, then I think they're pretty, pretty damn good and, and should compete at least for the AL pennant, if not more.
3: So you think they, they, can, they can get to the World Series? You're just not so sure they can hang with some of the powerhouses of the NL Central? Yeah, I
2: mean, well, it's it's also gonna depend on you know when of the NL, evo- excuse me. Yes, yes, it, it's also uh, you know going to depend on when Robert and Jimenez come back. Are they gonna just be sluggish the rest of the year, or are they gonna you know immediately return to form? Because I mean, right. we saw before Luis Robert got hurt, especially. I mean, he was really starting to to figure it out. And, and, you know, Aloy is already pretty much established himself as a, as a pretty darn good hitter. He just shouldn't be in the field ever again. And so, yes, I mean, I think they're absolutely capable when at full strength of winning the AL pennant. I, I don't know if I want to necessarily say that I think they, they, they're capable of beating whoever is going to come out of the NL and, need- unless, unless we're surprised and someone kind of breaks through randomly in the NL, which could always happen.
3: Do you need to see something from the? And I, I know, I know, Eloy and Robert. You, you probably won't know where they're at with their injuries, or in terms of how how good they'll be when they come back from their injuries between now and the trade deadline. So, put those two guys aside and look more at at the Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Lito Cease guys who have been healthy for most of the season, but just haven't played up to their to their expectations would you need to see those guys start to lock in and and figure things out to feel good enough about this team to buy because I Evan I don't, I don't know how how the GM in your head works but I try not to I try not to let my eyes get bigger than my appetite or or get too far ahead of myself and especially if we're talking about acquiring rentals if I don't think a team really has a shot at winning a World Series I'm pretty hesitant to give up to give up future prospects for rentals and push chips to the center of the table for this season, especially a roster as young as the White Sox, who the World Series window is just opening. I maybe say, let's see what we can do with this squad this year, maybe some minor additions at the trade deadline. And then next year we we make a better run at it. Hopefully we have better luck with health and, and things, things along those lines. I would need to see something from those guys who have been underperforming to this point in the season before I'm willing to push a bunch of chips to the center of the table on, on this season.
2: Yeah, I I, I think I agree with, the, with your line of thinking there. I mean, we can look specifically at Lucas Giolito. I mean, he needs to be better if yeah. this team wants to get where it believes that they can get. I mean, really, the fact that they've been as good as they have been with Giolito being maybe their fourth best starting pitcher is pretty ridiculous, but we didn't expect Carlos Rodon to probably be the best pitcher in their rotation right. right now. Like I didn't, I thought that Lance Lynn would be pretty good. I didn't think he'd be this good. Dallas Keuchel has remained his consistent self. Dylan Cease has been much better. I, obviously his spin rates are coming back down, which I I expected to happen, but he still seems to, to look like a guy that you can rely upon as your fourth or fifth starter. So if Lucas G needs to be better, but they've managed to get this far with him just being kind of average to above average. I think he will figure it out. Like, we've seen him obviously figure it out before, and it's not as if he's awful right now. He's just not what we saw the last two seasons where he was one of the best, you know, 10, 15 pitchers in baseball and was giving you great starts, you know, seven-plus innings every time out. Obviously, he threw a no-hitter last year, so he needs to be better. But your point about, like, I... I don't love the idea of them giving up a top prospect like a Garrett crochet for a rental when, you know, like, yes, the like the outfield has been kind of a been patched together all year. Second base is just, I mean, you know, again, been rotating all year. I get it. So if you're adding someone at the deadline, I don't love giving up a high prospect for that because I think the pieces are still here once they get back to full strength. The kind of what I was getting at a few minutes ago, where like when they're at full strength and all these players are here, like I think they're very much on the cusp and maybe they do just need to go and add one more to put themselves over the edge. And if it takes, you know what, if it does take Gary crochet to do that and I see the lineup, no Gary crochet, sure. But I see like, Oh, well, this lineup is stacked and now I think they're capable of winning a world series this year. Then, then I'm fine with it. Cause if you give up the player, give up the prospect and they win the world series, similar to say what the Cubs did with getting role as Chapman, but giving up Glaber Torres. Well, you're not allowed to complain about that one. You won the world series. Like it worked. So
3: if it works, it's, you know, that's what I always say. That's what I always say is that if, if you win the world series, it it worked and I don't care what, what you gave up for it at all. But speaking of Lucas Giolito, we might need to have a talk about Lucas Giolito, Adam, and, and whether or not, whether or not Josh Donaldson might've been onto something. And strangely enough, it was err, coincidentally enough, I should say, it was a tweet from Josh Nelson of Sox Machine, who's going to be joining us at, at 2 o'clock on the show, that, that really made me start looking at, at Giolito, and his, especially his performance of late with uh, a little bit of a side-eye. And, and, and think back to some of those comments from Josh Donaldson and, and Giolito in and his own defense just about a week ago. Keep taking your calls on whether or not you think what the White Sox are doing right now is sustainable If it's not, do you wait for Eloy and Robert, or are you willing to push chips to the center of the table now before the uh, trade deadline? 312-644-6767 is how you chime in on the show with a call or a text and uh, talk a little bit about Lucas Giolito right after this. Rami Makhlouf with you on a Monday afternoon on Chicago's Sports Talk radio station, AM 670, The Score.
4: All of the history between these two teams... Donaldson drops his bat on a fly ball to left, and he once again
1: has homered in his first at-bat, and the plot thickens
4: here at Guaranteed Rate Field. That
3: highlight, courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago, on the White Sox call, as the Brewers... It's the Brewers. If you don't know, I host a weekday afternoon show in Milwaukee on 670's uh, Sister Station, 1250 AM The Fan and uh, Muscle Memory is what I'm going to chalk that one up to. White Sox and Twins were doing battle last week, and Donaldson takes Giolito deep and uh, had some things to say about sticky stuff as he uh, crossed the plate. And then uh, it was after that game that Lucas Giolito took to defense of himself And uh, what Josh Donaldson had to say.
1: Hey, uh, Lucas, it looked like looking at the replay that Donaldson yelled something along the lines of, it's not sticky, not sticky anymore after his home run in the first. Did you pick up any of that? And what's your reaction to him saying that?
0: I saw it after the fact. I mean, he's a pest. You know, that's kind of a classless move. If you're going to talk, talk to my face, you can go, you know, cross home plate and do all that. Just come to me. It's just just annoying, man. I don't really have much else to say other than that. I didn't see it uh, during the game. I saw it after the fact.
3: That was uh, Lucas Giolito after Josh Donaldson takes him deep last week and then had some things to say about no more sticky stuff on on the baseball and Lucas Giolito taking exception with it. Josh Donaldson didn't speak that day, but the next day, did have a response to what Lucas Giolito had to say right there
2: What do the numbers say Right and what do we know About the sticky substance What does it do what does it help with It helps with RPMs it helps with Spin rate well guess What Mr. Giolito Your fastball spin rate's down 200 Your curveball spin Rate's down four 500 Your sliders down 200 So look if we're going to talk about class, are we going to? Are we, what side are you going to choose? Are you are you going to sp- uh, take the side of someone who's playing the game fair, or are you going to take the side of
0: somebody that was probably cheating before this happened?
3: And Josh Donaldson has a point there. I know I'm on in Chicago. I don't know Lucas Giolito is your guy, but he he does have a point there. I'm not saying that Lucas Giolito was using sticky stuff or is a cheater but if if that is what's going on here you don't have any grounds to call anybody else classless because there are a few things less classy than 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 cheating and and that's what it is when we talk about cheating I I, I will or when we talk about the sticky stuff I will say this all all loyalties aside. I, I like drama and pettiness and storylines in my sports, so I, I enjoyed all of that. I like the trash talk. I like that he's getting under Giolito's skin. I like that Giolito isn't taking it and clapping back, and I love that Josh Donaldson is, whether he's right about Giolito specifically or not, I like that Josh Donaldson is not keeping quiet and, and and is not just going along with the game that everybody plays when we talk about the sticky stuff. And really just cheating in general in the game of baseball. And, and how some want to make the whistleblowers the problem rather than, than the actual problem. And, and the guys who are cheating and doing things outside the lines of, of what they're supposed to be doing. But let's... Let's take a look at Lucas Giolito for for just one second. And Donaldson went through some of it right there. And Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine Podcast, who's going to be joining me at two o'clock here on the show, he pointed this out in a tweet yesterday. You look at Josh. You look at Lucas Giolito's uh, spin rates, and they are way way down, man. Since since they started cracking down on on the sticky stuff around Major League Baseball. Actually, he was off on the slider. He said it's about 200 200, uh, down. It's it's 337 down. 337% down is his slider. His four-seam fastball, 207% down. And then when you look at the... At the results of what he's done in his last three, four starts over the course of time that that Major League Baseball has been implementing these rules changes, or or they said they were going to start implementing these rules changes, and that's when you started seeing spin rates all around Major League Baseball go down. Yesterday, Giolito goes five innings, ten hits, six runs. All earned. His last time out, that was that game against Minnesota, where all hell broke loose afterwards between him and Josh Donaldson. Six innings, six hits, three runs. He hasn't gone more than more than 6 innings in in quite some time here as I go through his game log and the spin rate keeps going down for this guy and I just want to know are you starting to wonder about Lucas Giolito and whether or not Josh Donaldson was onto something there we we, we might not wanna admit it we might not wanna say it out loud that that guy was right about your guy but are you starting to wonder 312 644 6767 or is it unfair? Because it's a Major League Baseball is a long season, man. And just like with hitters, there are going to be there are going to be peaks and valleys, there are going to be ups and downs, there are going to be slumps. And maybe maybe that's just what's at play here with Lucas Giolito. Are we going to look at every guy around Major League Baseball? Whose spin rates are down, or who whose performance maybe took a step back over a certain period, and wonder if if they're caught up in in all this in all this sticky stuff controversy, and if they were using it, because I don't know if that's really fair, man. I don't. Are, would we do that with hitters? Is every every time a guy has a slump, or, mm, was he on PEDs? Now that knowing everything that we know about PEDs. I don't know if it's fair, but I'd be lying. Adam, I'd be lying if I if I didn't if I said I wasn't looking at Lucas Giolito with a little bit of side eye. With, with everything Josh Donaldson said last week, with with the spin rates from, from Josh Nelson that I just read off to you. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking at him with a bit of a side eye. And I don't, I don't I don't know if that's if that's fair or not, if we start doing that with pitchers all around Major League Baseball, who maybe, maybe just need need to get over a hump because that happens over the course of a long season.
2: It's understandable considering the evidence, like the evidence is is damning in this case. But I think that I'm kind of in the camp of like, I believe he'll be, he'll be fine and get back to more his normal self. But if he doesn't, then we're going to have to look if he doesn't in the next couple months or even, you know, the next several starts start to show us that, hey, okay, he's looking like he's making adjustments and and, and getting back to being the Lucas Giolito we've seen the last couple seasons. If that doesn't happen, then, yeah, we're going to have to have some conversations and be like, hey, listen, uh, maybe he was that guy because of the stickiness and not because of his just natural ability to pitch, which would suck, admittedly, because I love Lucas Giolito, but, I, I mean, we'll have to... I'm in the wait and see camp, but I understand the side eye. Like I get it. It makes sense. Like
3: the ev- like, like I said, the evidence is damning. The one the one silver lining though of this this whole the 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 mess that Rob Manfred created in the way he was going to try and force getting sticky stuff out of the game is controversy like this that it sparked. I don't know about you Adam, but I've thoroughly Enjoyed, and it's not just those two guys. I like Sergio Romo, like ripping off all his clothes when the when the umpire met him by the baseline. Like it's stupid, and it shouldn't be enforced this way. But the way it's been enforced, and and the way that Rob Manfred has just made it a complete free for all and a mess, has led to some pretty entertaining storylines. And I like my sports, like I like my wrestling. I like I like good I like good juicy petty dramatic storylines to go along with my sports. And this has certainly provided that it's so like
2: MLB to do something like this, like just, and and this is why I think we need to give pitchers time to figure things out a little bit because MLB let this get out of control and players were clearly so many pitchers were doing this, but it's because they were getting away with it. So like, right. of course, like baseball especially has always been, you take every advantage you can get. Right. So MLB should have waited until the off season and then come up with better guidelines and say, okay, you can use this. You can't use this, blah, blah, blah. Because now they're just like, oh, you can't use anything or like what they're allowed to have rosin, right? The rosin bag that's out there. Yeah. So like that. Okay. I, I understand that, but they've kind of pulled the rug out from everyone by going like, ah, nothing. You can't use anything. Yeah. Nothing, nothing at all. (laughs) That's
3: Yeah. Th- this from the 708. We all hate Josh, but he's not wrong. <laughs> Another one from the 708. Agreed, it was entertaining. Uh, this one from the 260, and this is an interesting point, but really. Just makes me support what Josh Donaldson is doing and and other guys around the league who are speaking up about this. I just support him that much more. A couple texts came in along these lines. I wonder what Donaldson's pitcher teammates think of him drawing attention to RPM reduction. This one says, I'm assuming the Twins have pitchers whose spin rates are down. I'm sure Donaldson isn't calling his teammates uh, cheaters. That's West Loop Tom. And that that's true, but you know that Josh Donaldson knows that his 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 teammates his pitcher the, the the pitchers on his team are also unhappy with him shining a light on this and he just doesn't give a damn man and i respect that to a certain level is it being a great teammate no but is is it is it good for the game and and do i want this stuff getting under control Absolutely, And the best way and the fastest way for it to get under control is if players speak up because Rob Manfred is a clown and doesn't do anything until it's already made headlines. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, the guy who got me thinking about Lucas Giolito's spin rate, Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine podcast. He'll join me right after this. Rami Makloff with you on a Monday afternoon on Sports Radio 670 The Score.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.